We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. Hey, let's open up to Luke chapter 2. So four more days. Are you ready? You guys don't sound like you're ready, man. You're like, hey, I got four more days. When I say, are you ready? Uh, that means different things to different people. Like for some people, it means like I got to clean my house because people are going to come over. How many of you are like still having to work on your house? Or maybe for some of you here, it means like you have to go to the grocery store and get all the stuff because you're going to make an awesome meal on Christmas Day. Henry mentioned pozole. Anybody making pozole? Tamales, uh, a lot of baking going on. I think for most of us, however, you got to be honest. For most of us here, uh, being ready for Christmas means that you have bought all your gifts for all the people that are on your list, right? For most of us here, I think that's really the bottom line, you know? And, I, and, I, and don't get me wrong, I love all the traditions that go with Christmas, the lights and the trees, um, you know, we put up uh, lights in our house. We have a banner. I, I love this time of year because we can just put up the banner without a flinch. And it says, uh, celebrate Jesus, the true reason for this season. And I just love that my, my neighbors got to see that every single night, you know. And who knows? Maybe one day I'll go to heaven and you never know. Maybe one day I'll go there and say, I got saved because I saw that banner, you know. Um, I don't know. I love the lights. And don't you love the way your kids pressure you? to get the lights, to put up the lights. How many of you have kids like that? None of you? <laughs> I know my kids did. What's up? I don't get it. <laughs> Anyways, um, I love the traditions of Christmas. Uh, at our tree, we have a tree, and Shelly and I got a tree from the very beginning. It's so cool. We have a little ornament, our first Christmas together. And so when I'm decorating, I'm thinking, wow, I remember that when I had, like, black hair. It was really... <laughs> cool and it was everything was brand new and i'm not our first uh, all the babies our first babies christmas together you got that little ornament there and then you know we got this one ornament it was my mother-in-law's and uh to be honest with you it kind of drives me crazy because what it is is you plug the light into it and the train he goes around in the little uh in the ball have you guys ever seen that anyways we have one of those but then when the lord took her home and I put that, that ornament up. I'm like, wow, what a beautiful mother-in-law I had. So, you know, I'll be honest with you. I love all those traditions. I love the trees. I love the lights. And the other day I'm eating uh, uh, some tamales, and I'm just thinking, man, I feel so unworthy, but I'll eat it, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that someone would actually, to me, it's like there's a million people out there, and I get one of these. Thank you, Lord, that someone would think about me. And so much, you know, but I think more than anything else, when it comes to being ready for Christmas and just this whole thing, from a human perspective, is the, the gifts and the giving, especially the thoughtful gifts. You know, those ones are, are really cool, huh? Not the ones where, you know, something was on sale necessarily, but here's something that maybe someone really wanted and someone even really needed. And if you can get that combination, man, you're, you're in great shape. And, you know, so, so all the things that we do, I think God understands. As long as we remember what they stand for. 
Really, that's really the bottom line, right? I mean, we know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. See, Christmas is about giving. It's about the gift of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, there's a real cool scripture. If you want to go there, you can. Uh, maybe mark Luke and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. <laughs> Perfected praise. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Thanks be to God. For his indescribable gift. And so the Bible says that the gift is indescribable. Okay, here I am. I'm going to try to describe to you the indescribable. You know, I was talking to my son on the way over here, and we were just kind of reiterating the fact, and I always like bouncing things off him because he knows the Bible actually really well. And, uh, and I said, you know, Salvation is a gift, but really the gift of Christmas is not necessarily salvation because, you know, not everybody's saved. The gift of Christmas is Jesus. Really, that's what the gift of Christmas is. Right? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And so this is definitely the giving time of year. Amen? I mean, how many of you just out of curiosity are going to go shopping after church service today? Out of curiosity. Like two people. Okay, so you guys, I don't know either you're Grinches or you're going to go tomorrow. I'm not sure. All right, so they say that Americans are going to spend $465 million on gifts, $2.6 million on wrapping those gifts. Imagine that. Um, they say the average household is going to spend right around $800 uh, for the gifts. And uh, what we find right here, according to most polls, it's going to be the most that we've spent in about five years. And so I just know that's a lot of what we're engaged in. And how many of you get a rush from going uh, shopping on Christmas Eve to get all your gifts? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> I did that one year. It was fun. It was fun. But anyways, uh, speaking of the gift, I want to just talk to you guys out of Luke 2 about, about the gift of Jesus. And my prayer is that, that um, by the end of the study, uh, see this sign right here? It's so cool because that's what the Lord had laid on my heart. And I didn't even know that that sign was there until I, until I came. Unless maybe it was subliminal. I'm not sure. But, you know, it's this. So come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. Now, we can't go physically to Bethlehem anymore. I mean, not like to see Jesus necessarily, but we can in the scriptures, do it. And I was telling my son, I was going to sing that song to you guys today. He said, Dad, don't sing. Don't sing, Dad. <laughs> okay. Thank God for our family, huh? Look what it says here in Luke 2. We first of all see the, 
the way this gift is wrapped, look what it says. It says in verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This first census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. And so the decree went out. Um, there was a long time where skeptics said, ah, Luke's not right. There's nowhere is this etched in history. And it wasn't until about maybe 20 years ago they found it. Sure enough, uh, uh, Caesar Augustus issued the decree. And he wanted the whole world. It was a census. The reason for the census was twofold. Number one, it was to determine how many men were in his military from which the Jews were exempt. The other reason, and the primary reason, is for taxation purposes. And so the whole world had to be taxed. And so um, everybody has to go to the house of their lineage. And so we read right here in verse 3, So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And so that's Christmas. And here we are, 2,000 years later, spending $450 billion. <laughs> this story like this. And to me, it's kind of wrapped in, in, in a pretty, pretty humble way. As a matter of fact, I would put it this way. I would say, because we know uh, deity is wrapped in humanity. And, and we can even say, we could even go a step further, humanity is wrapped in humility. That's what Christmas really is. You know, I don't know how you guys feel about the wrappings of the gift or maybe the packaging of things. Um, how many of you guys like wrapping gifts? Not very many. Most of us don't, if we're honest, right? Uh, most of you here, you guys are cheaters. You use gift bags. <laughs> and you don't even buy new ones. You're like, hey, I got some old gift bags that I... And even your tissue that you throw in there, it doesn't even look good, man. <laughs> what happened to the nice wrappings, man, when we used to and it meant something and with like a nice ribbon there and color coordinated and things like that? Man, you know, some people are into wrappings. Uh, how many of you here, do you ever get your gifts wrapped at the department store? Or, you know, they do, you guys don't do that? This is Almani? Okay, all right. <laughs> You know, I think the wrappings, to me, uh, it's pretty cool. I actually like wrapping. I think it's part of my OCD uh, thing, but I actually like it, and I kind of get everything all, you know, nice and neat there. But um, when I think of the way that the Lord wrapped up his gift to us, I just, I'm, I'm blown away. I really am. The way that deity is wrapped in humanity, the way that even the humanity is wrapped in humility, and just the way that the Christmas is wrapped in sovereignty. I mean, we know that God chose Joseph and Mary. And I believe that if you don't catch this part of the story, then you're missing part of it. They were godly. I believe Joseph and Mary were godly people. And if you want God to use your life, 
then I encourage you to, to ask God to do a work in your heart so that we can be usable. And that, so that when God scans the earth, he would find you. Hey, here's someone who loves me. And so he chose them. But here's a problem, though. They live in Nazareth. And the Messiah, according to Micah chapter 5, verse 2, needed to live in Bethlehem. And so, you know, how, what's God going to do? I mean, they live in Nazareth, and they got to go to Bethlehem. That's like 75 miles away. Okay, and they can't just hop on the train. I mean, they can't just get in their car and shoot on over there. Um, Mary's about nine months pregnant. It's a nine-day journey, 75 miles away. Um, and so how would this happen? So this is what God does. He just says, okay, what I'll do is I'll, I'll rock, I'll, in, I'll move the ruler of the world. And I'll tell him to, to have a census. And then what that'll do is and that'll then move the governor of Syria, of which the province of Judea is in, and Galilee, and then they'll kind of go over there to Bethlehem where they belong. And just as a quick side note, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome to know that God is on the throne, to know that, you know, the, the world that we live in, the United Nations, uh, our leaders and our governors and the politicians in Washington, they are not on the throne. God's on the throne, and God, he's the one that moves the hand, that moves the world. And so when he wants things done, it's just so comforting to know that he's in complete control. Even though there's a lot of things that we don't understand, there's a lot of things, I don't like the way he's doing that or she's doing that. Please, find comfort in the fact that God is in control. And so here, it's so cool the way that he moves Caesar Augustus, who thinks he's all bad. He's not, right? And God moves him. Uh, and then next thing you know, we've got Joseph and Mary, and they're you know, on their way to Bethlehem. And I'm sure that wasn't an easy journey without shock absorbers, right? All the way. And uh, it's kind of like Erilyn. She's ready to have her child. Imagine having her to do this journey. And there, finally, the day comes. And then... It's just a simple story, right? Then they're there in Bethlehem. And to me, don't you guys trip out on the fact that there was no room for them in the end? You're like, okay, I'm going to send my, my son. My son, right? He's going to go to the Hilton in Jerusalem. I set him up, man. You know, I mean, at least some nice place, maybe in, I don't know, Rome or Alexandria, uh, a nice bed, a nice, the best doctor, the best hospital, the warmest place, the cleanest place. Why would God send his son to a stable, a cave, where when the baby was to be delivered, you know, he would be delivered in a feeding trough and laid there, maybe in some hay, wrapped in some, you know, strips of cloth. It's, it's not random. God is sending a message. He's sending a lot of messages. There was no room for him. There was no room for Jesus. Just like today, in so many hearts, there's not room for him. I mean, why? Sorry, God. Sorry, God, I can't go to church. Sorry, God, I can't read my Bible. Sorry, God, I can't talk to you. Sorry, God, I can't think about you. Sorry, God, I'm busy. 
you're, let me just say this, if you're too busy for God, you are too busy. You need to take something out, man. You got to take something out. It's simple, you know, mathematics. Take something out. Make God the priority of your life. If you're too busy for God one day, you know, you're going to be sorry. You'll have wasted your life living your life and not God's life, the life that he had for you. This right here is not random. When Jesus came, there's no room for him. The Lord's sending a message. Jesus came in a very humble way, a deity wrapped in humanity, humanity wrapped in humility. It's a message to us. It really is that God would come, and whatever you guys do today, don't feel intimidated. Don't feel like, like and, and I, I kind of have a hard time relating to this because I never felt this way. But sometimes I have talked to people that feel this way. They, for whatever reason, feel they're not worthy. They feel like if they were to go to church, and here you are today, and I don't even know how you made it here, but maybe you've blown it, or like you feel like if I go to church, really the, 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 the roof is going to fall in because I'm such a bad person, and I just feel unworthy, and, and I just want you to know none of us are worthy. The Lord came to, in such a humble way. It wasn't for royalty. It wasn't for those who are worthy. It was, we're going to see as we go through this for, for all of us, you guys. It's so cool to see the way the gift is wrapped. If you go over to John chapter 1, and Joshua went over this on, on Thursday. It was so cool. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so you kind of see the, the, the wrapping there, the way that the gift was wrapped. It was wrapped in flesh. I wonder, I, man, I wonder what Jesus looked like. We don't know what Jesus looked like. We have pictures, but that's, that's just total Complete, 100% speculation, okay? But, but it was definitely God wrapped in humanity. It says that in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Greek word for word is logos. Logos, or you can say logos. Logos. Guess what Greek English word we get from it? Logo. You got it. Okay, good job. Logo. It's interesting. Now, as you guys know what a logo is, right? Okay, what happens if you see the, the arches? What do you guys think of? McDonald's. French fries, right? <laughs> McDonald's, right? That's the logo. You got the little Nike. Jesus is the logos uh, for God, right? In the beginning was the word. Now, the Greeks, remember, when you read the Bible, Matthew writes to the Jews presenting Jesus as the king. Mark writes to the Romans presenting Jesus as a servant. Uh, Luke writes to the Greeks, presenting Jesus as the perfect man. John writes to the world, presenting Jesus as God. Okay? And so, in the beginning was the word, and that, and that word logos would have a, a, a meaning to the Jews and to the Greeks, to the world, so to speak. The Greeks saw the logos as the one who maintained the whole universe. Right? That's the way they saw the logos. 
Now to the rest, the Jews, they saw the Logos as the one who came near to man. It was the Memra. So when John brings them both together, they know who he's talking about. There he is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now literally it means face to face. And then he says, and the Word was God. Now, in the Greek language, and I, don't, I encourage you guys to study this out. It's fascinating. You know, when God chose to write the Bible, in the New Testament, he, he picked the perfect language. Jew, the Greek language is explicit. And with the Greek language, you're able to uh, emphasize things, even just based on where the word is placed in the sentence and even the sentence structure and the letters within the word. It's amazing. But you know how when we write a, a sentence, we might put a bold, we'll bold it. For those of you guys who do uh, um, computers, do you ever bold any words? Underline it, highlight it, circle it. Okay, we do that, right? The Greeks could do that just with the, with the very words themselves within the alphabet. And so here's the way the first, this word right here, this is supposed to be written. Because that, that, the emphasis is on the last Greek word, theos. In the sentence structure, this is the way it's supposed to be read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God. Can you guys say that, you know? That's how you are supposed to read that verse. And then it says in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, you know, you got to know in looking at this, the way that this gift is wrapped, it can be a little, I don't know, if you, if you don't read your Bible, it can be a little, you know, I, I was just a man. Jesus is a typical teacher. He's a random rabbi. He's a passing prophet. Oh, no, he's not. There is none like Jesus. None like Jesus. None, no one, the most influential figure ever to walk the face of the earth who conquered the world through love. Now, some of his followers have misrepresented him. Don't, don't think that's who Jesus is. None like Jesus. And you got to know what you got when Christmas came. How many of you guys, just out of curiosity, I'm hoping I could rekindle this tradition. How many of you guys have stockings, like the little stockings that you hang on? chimney okay thank god there are still some of you here and part of the reason is because i got to make sure my wife does this too babe don't forget the stockings okay because man she's good at that and so anyways within the stockings i read a story about a one grandfather who put within the stockings stocks for his eight-year-old grandson and so his eight-year-old grandson, he, you know, brings down the stockings and he pulls out the pez. Ooh, I like those. Thank you, Grandpa. You know, and he gets the little, uh, you guys remember those things? They were like these men that were all kind of wrapped up and you threw them up in the air and they kind of came down in parachute. Yeah, he was so excited about that. And he got one of those little scuba diver things. I don't know, I guess you put a battery in it. You put it in the bathtub and it does bubbles and his legs go like this, right? He was so excited but he saw the stocks in his stocking, and he's like, what's that? You know, doesn't even think twice. Until it was 10 years later, and those stocks 
paid for his college graduation, his college education. I think sometimes we look at the wrappings of Christmas and we look at this and we're like, well, um, you read the story right here and you're like, man, it's not a whole lot. I mean, it's a real insignificant birth right here in a little part of town. And you don't realize, wow, what happens when you unwrap the gift? See, I think, first of all, we have to see uh, the wrapping of the gift. Secondly, we have to see who the gift is given to. Look at verse 8. It says, now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. Here's the sign, lying in a manger or feeding trough. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. I mean, it's cool when you think of the, the, the Christmas gift of, of Jesus. And then I think it's cool when you realize you know, basically who the, the gift is given to. We read right here, notice in verse 10, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. All people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. We see right here this gift is given, first of all, verse 10, to all people. But I, did you catch verse 11? I'm going to read it one more time and see if you, you catch it. Uh, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I mean, you know, sometimes when we think of Christmas, we're like, okay, it's a big gift for everybody, man, you know? But, man, I wonder if we ever really just take it to heart. I wonder if we ever realize the fact that, that he was given, you know, to, to me, so to speak. You know, and, and again, like I said earlier, I think a lot of times we, we feel uh, unworthy. And if you're here today and you think that you're, you're so bad, and which a lot of people have this mentality. Have you guys ever talked to someone who says, well, I can't you know what, I can't really go to church yet. I can't really do that yet because I got to go like straighten out my life, right? I got to go straighten out my life. I got to clean up my act. And then I think I'll be ready for church. Well, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> you can't straighten out your life. You can't clean up your act. You can't have, stop having sex before marriage. You can't break the addictions of crystal meth or heroin. or You can't even stop drinking. You can't stop cussing. You can't. You start being that wife 
or that husband or anything good without giving Christ your heart. And, and whatever you do, don't think, well, it's for him. I mean, it, a lot of times I've ever heard people say that. Well, Christianity works good for you, but it's just not my thing. Have you guys ever heard people some say something like that? No, he's a savior to all men. You want to know something? Because all have sinned. The Bible says that in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If we were left to our sins, we would perish. But Christ came. It says right there, to save us. That's what Christmas is. I pray you guys would know that. I pray you would know this gift that is wrapped, this gift that is given to us. And what we see basically is how the gift works. And we see here in verses 8 through 14, a few things I want to mention to you. First of all, um, just the fact that he's our Savior. We read that. Notice um, it says right here, For there is born to you, in verse 11, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then we read that word Christ. Now, how many of you guys think that Christ is just Jesus' last name? Like John Smith, Jesus Christ. You ever? Some people think that. It's not. It's Jesus' title. So like, okay, he's, he's the Christ. What's that? Okay, do you guys know what christened means? Christened means anointed. So he's Christ, the anointed. Anointed what? You should know this. You've been a Christian now for how long? Well, you're like, it's your fault, Manny. Okay, I'll take the blame. <laughs> but you better know it from this day forward. Now I'm just joking. He's the anointed prophet, the anointed priest, and the anointed king. Remember that. Those are the three offices that were anointed in the Old Testament. Prophet, priest, and king. He's the anointed prophet. That means he has a message that you better listen to. He's the anointed priest. That means not only is he a messenger, but he's a mediator. He is the one that stands between God and you. And he's the anointed king meaning that he's the master. He's the master. Who calls the shots in your life? I pray you would know. It's got to be Christ. You know, he's called the Lord right here. Okay, and, and, and a lot of people, they struggle with Lord because they're like, man, that means like God's my boss. You know, he's got to tell me what to do. And it's true. You know, I, I pray there would be like a, a humility about you. But remember this, okay, God doesn't, God doesn't just want to tell you what to do because he wants to boss you around. God doesn't want to just tell you what to do to take your fun away. God wants to be your Lord because he wants to lead you. He wants to lead you in a wonderful life. He loves you. And the reason that he wants to be your Lord and the reason that you should let him be the, your Lord is because he knows everything about you and he has a plan for your life and, and a dream and a desire and a destiny for you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows every hair you have, every tear you've ever cried. That's the God that we serve. And he wants to lead your life. And if you let him, 
If you let him lead your life, he will take you on this great adventure where not only he will work, he will work in you, but he will work through you. You know, in Matthew 1, 21, he shall call his name Jesus. And Jesus is not just a, a curse word, in case you're wondering. Jesus, it has a meaning. You shall call his name Jesus. It means Jehovah's salvation. It means Yahweh's salvation. It's because he will save his people from their sins. Isaiah 7, 14, it says, And the virgin will give birth, which is pretty amazing. And you shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated, does anybody know? God with us. Does anybody know Isaiah 7.14 is a cool verse, but I want you to go over to Isaiah uh, chapter 8. It's cool, like sometimes it's cool like to get the verses in their original context. And when the prophet Isaiah is speaking to the king of Judah, he's speaking in a time when the Assyrians were strong. The Assyrians were in power. A couple of years ago at our men's retreat, we had Dr. Bruce Belowian from Azusa Pacific University come and share with the guys, and he talked about the Assyrians, and he gave us a, a lot of insight into the Assyrians. He's an Old Testament scholar. That's his, like, you know, expertise. And uh, he was talking about how, what the Assyrians would do what the Assyrians would do in those days is that when they would conquer, let's just say they're heading towards Almani, okay? Along the way, they would conquer other towns, and they would, uh, they would gather the leaders of those towns, and, uh, and they would bring them with them to Almani. They would surround the city of Almani, so to speak, and they would take all the leaders of other, other little towns that they got along the way, and they would impale the leaders, they would just stick them like on a stick. So that here I am in Almani and I'm looking outside the wall and I see all these impaled leaders all around me. Not only that, they would take the people on the way to the city that they're surrounding and they would just, they would behead them. They would decapitate them. It's a spirit of the devil, by the way. And he goes and he just decapitates them head after head, putting them in wagons, taking them to the city that is surrounded, and, and they, would, they would have mounds of heads, of lives that they've killed. That's what the Assyrians... So I would look out from the walls. Here I am in my city of Almani, and I see all the impaled leaders. I see all the heads, the mounds of heads. And so here I am, and what am I to do? How am I going to protect my wife? How am I going to protect my daughter and my son? You may be the leader of the town. What are you going to do? There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. See, that's when Isaiah's writing and Isaiah's speaking to the king. But you want to know something? God is still alive. And, that, and, and, I, and Isaiah, as he's writing right here, it's so cool because I think when we think of Emmanuel, we, we only think of Christmas. And we, a lot of times we don't put it into practical application. Look at chapter 8. Look at verse 9. Isaiah is now he's speaking to the, to the people that are coming against him. And he says this, Be shattered, O you peoples, and be broken in pieces. 
Give ear, all you from far countries. Listen up. Gird yourselves. That's fine, but be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, but be broken in pieces. You can take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak the word, but it will not stand. For God is with us. And you guys know what the, the Hebrew word is there? For Emmanuel. And the enemy comes against us and and it looks like there's, you know, there's no way out of this, but there's there's, you know, there they will not, they will not defeat you. You will not be defeated. They will be defeated because God is with us. That's Christmas. That's the God that we serve. I praise him. I thank him because I see the way the enemy comes against you. And he thinks he's got the victory. But then it's so cool. You're surrounded. Doesn't look good. And then God swiftly steps in to save the day. But you got to believe. You got to receive. As a matter of fact, Isaiah even says, if you don't believe, you're not going to get it. And so you, you hold on and you're like, Lord, it's so amazing who you are and what you've done. If you go back to Luke, it's so neat to see who he is, the, the Savior, the Christ, the, the Lord. And, and notice what he brings, you guys. Notice what he brings. What happens? Like, I don't know for sure, but maybe there's someone here today who hasn't really given their life to Christ. You're not a Christian. And maybe somebody invited you here today. Or maybe you came to see the kids sing. I'm not sure. And you're like, you know, they invited you here, and you're like, okay, as long as you take me out to, to lunch afterwards, you know, I'll go. I'll go. By the way, we're going to go to Lamppost afterwards, so come and have pizza with us, right? Or, or maybe, you know, there's another way they got you here. Can I just say this to you? They didn't invite you here. God invited you here because he loves you so much. And it's so simple. It's a gift. Jesus is a gift. Salvation is a gift. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. All you have to do is admit that you sinned. And be willing to receive Christ today as your Lord and Savior. Like the Lord said, here, can I give you my son? I mean, he died for you on a cross. They put him in a grave. He rose three days later. Will you receive him? And if you do, he will write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. You will be saved. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to so many hundreds of people here today. They're miracles. Because God has saved their life, but they made a choice. You have to make a choice. You know, and, and you may make some good tamales. 
and, and you may, you know, buy a whole bunch of gifts and, and do all those things. And, I, and it's beautiful. I don't want to take away from that in any way. But it's not until you've given Christ your heart. You haven't really celebrated Christmas until you've given Christ your heart. I mean, you know how it is. Someone gives you a gift. Oh, man, I better give him a gift. And you got a few extra, right, just in case. It's kind of like that. Man, I encourage you to know that. And you want to know what happened? You know what happened? Look what it says right here. Verse 10, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Well, verse 9, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. They were greatly afraid. But look what happens. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. You see, that's what will happen. You'll be from greatly afraid, great fear to great joy. And that's so cool because that's really what I, I think the, the fruit of just understanding everything, it, it really produces joy. Joy. You know, I... Again, I told my son, eh, I'm going to sing this song. Said, don't do it. Don't sing it, Dad. Don't sing it. But you guys know the song, right? Joy to the world. Joy to the world. The Lord has come, right? I have the words right here. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Let heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, I like this, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. I mean, joy, right? And I, I shared with you guys earlier, O come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. See, we're joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. I pray you guys have joy for the journey. And then I always say this, and then peace. For the path. That's what he talks about right there. The angel says it in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. Now just in case you're wondering, that's not a political peace. Because the Romans had already established Pax Romana. There was already peace. As a matter of fact, the Romans had already established peace so much so that the Romans, they had a god uh, that, you know, wasn't a real god, but it had a god that they, that they believed led them in military victories. And so they had this gate open for the god to lead them. But they had conquered the world. They had established peace already, so much so that the gate was closed. They felt they didn't need that leading of their false god anymore. There was already a political peace. He's not talking about a political peace. He's talking about a deeper peace. He's talking about a spiritual peace. He's talking about when Jesus comes, there's peace with God. 
that when Jesus comes, there's peace, this peace of God. So let me ask you a question. Do you have joy? And do you have peace? That's what Jesus brings. And if you don't have joy and peace, then you don't have Jesus. Either that or you've forgotten. I have Jesus. You have Jesus. I heard the other day about an organization that went into a, a, a little restaurant in a little town. And I don't know how they heard, but somewhere along the line, they heard about this, this mom. She was a single mom. And she had, was struggling really bad. And so you know, they went and they had their, their little meal there and then they left. But they left her what they call a tip bomb. Have you guys ever heard of that, a tip bomb? $1,200 tip. I mean, she was totally, totally blown away. And this is what they said. They said, we're an organization. We don't want to tell you who we are. We just want to spread, they said, the holiday spirit of giving. And that's what the Lord does. It's so cool to see, you know, how he sees where we are. But there needs to be a, a reaction. You're like, okay, I see the way it's wrapped, and I see what it is, and I see what it produces, the joy and the peace. And it's pretty cool. Right? But right now, I'm going to go over there, and I want to fight some people at a, a Walmart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm serious, man. I mean, be careful. You guys do not fight over parking spots, okay? Because literally, uh, I forgot who it was. I think it was my wife. They saw, like, these girls fighting physically because I guess someone stole someone's parking spot. So give it up, okay? <laughs> but um, no, okay, what do we do now? Let me just share with you three words, okay? Um, one is praising. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. One is praising. Two is probing. And that's what, the, that's what these guys are going to do. Hey, let's go find out, you know, what's this all about? I'm going to see you. I'm going to find Jesus. I'm going to make my way through all the busyness and all the, the craziness. And I am going to find Jesus. And then the last thing, after the praising and the probing is the preaching. You know, because the shepherds, they were considered unclean. The religious people of the day despised the shepherds. They despised them because they were ceremonially unclean. They were always ceremonially unclean. They couldn't go and hang out in the temple and do all the religious stuff that the religious leaders of the day were doing. And so they despised the shepherds. But it's so cool the way that the angels appeared to the to the shepherds, and there was one angel, and then there were hosts of angels. Some people believe there were thousands of angels. We don't know if they were singing. Um, I was checking all my commentaries. Nowhere does it say they were singing, but they were praising. They were praising. Thousands of them, they came to the shepherds. And then at the end, after it's all said and done, the shepherds are the ones that are preaching. It's so cool. 
And there should be a response. Okay, Lord, this is what you've done. And I will, I, oh man, I am so grateful that you gave your son, Jesus. I'm so grateful that you came, the one who sat on the throne of all the universe. You spoke everything into existence by the power of your word. And you became one thirty-second of an inch. And you were conceived in the womb of Mary. And you grew and you learned how to walk and talk all to show me the way and then to become the way by dying on the cross. There are no words to describe how grateful I am that you would come and I will respond. I will respond to this gift that I've been given on Christmas. A lot of times we don't respond. I heard a story, Greg Laurie was telling a story the other day about a lady and I guess she was an elderly lady, an elderly lady on a fixed income. And she had gone through some bumps in the road. And you know how it is, man. Sometimes the, the water heater breaks and, you know, you need new tires. And, you know, just uh, you get sick and you have to pay a couple of bills. And next thing you know, she was hurting for funds. And so she wrote a letter. And she wrote a letter to God. And she puts it in an envelope and, and seals it and sends it off. And so uh, the mailman got the letter. And he's like, oh, this is weird. This is, it, it has just a letter to God. He took it to his supervisor, and his supervisor said, well, go ahead and open it. She's, you deliver the mail there? Yeah, okay, go ahead and open it. And he opened it up, and he, and he read the letter, and he found out it was this elderly lady who, we know, was hurting financially. She was about $200 short. And so you know what he did? He went with all his postal worker friends, and he said, hey, you guys, there's a situation right here. This is a season of giving and, and love, and, and let's, you guys, hey, man, if the Lord puts anything on your heart, maybe give $5, $10. And, and sure enough, right there and then, you know, they collected, I think it was, 100, it was $180. And so then they put the money back in the envelope, and, you know, they, they dropped it on the lady's uh, porch. She didn't know who it was from. But it was cool. They were like, oh, like, wow, this is cool what we did, huh? Because you guys know this, it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? So they were pretty, pretty jazzed about that. But I guess a few days later, uh, there was another letter from that lady addressed to God. And so the mailman, he takes it to his boss, hey, is it, is it cool if I open up the letter? And he's all sure, go ahead and open it up. Opens it up, and it's a letter from the lady. And she's like, thank you. Thank you, God. You know, I was hurting. I don't know how I would have made it through. But, Lord, you showed up. But, Lord, you were $20 short. <laughs> and <laughs> I have a feeling I know what happened. It was those wicked postal workers. That's who did it. <laughs> Probably UPS. I don't know. But anyways... Um, and, and, you know, anyways, to me, I, I was like, isn't that how we are? We're like, you know, Lord, here's the situation. God comes through, but he doesn't do it your way. And you're like, man, I don't get it. And God's all, it's all part of my plan. And the one that you would actually, a lot of times, indict is the one. Who loves you, the one who who thinks of you, the one who takes care of you, the one who who saved you. 
the one who knows you, the one who came to you. And so, you know, in closing, I'll tell you guys this, because I think I say it every year, that Christmas is three journeys. One is a 75-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. That's pretty cool. And, and the other journey is from heaven to earth. Now, I'm not sure how many miles that is, but I think it's pretty far. But the last one, you know what, is the toughest one of all. It's from right here in my head to right here in my heart. Depending how tall you are, you're 12 inches, 18 inches, I'm not sure. Whatever you do, my encouragement to you is to make sure that you let that last journey take place. Not just information, salvation, transformation. Because there is a destination, and that's heaven. He has a home for you. He wants you to live with him. But it's up to you. You're free to choose. Choose Christ. You will never be sorry. Father, I just thank you so much for sending your son. As I read in the beginning, it's an indescribable gift. I, I didn't even talk a lot about the fact that the father gave the son. But I know forever and ever, Lord, we will worship you. And Father, I just pray today uh, that you would touch every heart. And Lord, I, I pray that you would be glorified. I pray that your church would be edified. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, that they would be evangelized. Only you can save. And by your Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you would just speak life over people's lives today and hearts. And I just ask, God, that you would just continue the work you're doing, Lord. Thank you for your grace in my life. I know who I am, Lord. I'm not worthy. I'm nothing. I'm wicked. I'm a wretched man. I'm unable. But I know that I am accepted. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. And just with every every when praying and your head's bowed, your eyes closed. If you're here today and you want to receive Christ, you want to know for sure that you have heaven, that you have that life that Christmas is all about, I just want to lead you in a prayer. And, uh, and you just pray this prayer. All you have to do is pray it from your heart. And just say something like this. Dear Lord, I come to you today. And I admit I have sinned, but I, I turn from my sin. And today, uh, I want to celebrate Christmas, and I want to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to live life as a follower of Jesus from this day forward. I pray in your name.
We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.